After Jesus had spoken these words to his disciples, he looked up to the heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this eternal life that they may know, know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you have gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had in your presence before this world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. Thank you, Briggs. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, the one who calls us beloved. Amen. So if you don't know me, my name is Rich Holloway. I uh, work as the Faith Formation Director, one of the Faith Formation Directors here. Um, and I've been working all year, and I'm just so excited to um, have this time with you. We've been talking about this for a while. Uh, maybe you'll notice some baptismal promises sprinkled in there. That's my hope, because we've been talking about them for like nine months. So, um, thank you all. Thank you for being here. I have this vivid memory of cooking with my grandmother when I was in grade school. She had total control over the kitchen, making sure everything she created was up to her standards. One day, she took the time to teach me about the little things of cooking. I remember we were making wraps for lunch that day. I watched as she evenly spread the garden vegetable cream cheese over the whole tortilla, careful to have it spread all the way to the edge. This was a novel idea for me because I would just throw it on there and start going. Uh, she carefully placed the meat, the fresh tomatoes, the lettuce, as if each one had a place that they were destined to be, all the while taking the time to explain what she was doing and why she was doing it. Now you might be thinking, this is, these are just pinwheels, you can get them at Cub, they're like four bucks, but I would say you're wrong. These were special. Maybe it wasn't the food that was so special, although I do remember it being pretty good. It may not even be the lessons of the kitchen, even though I have kept those to today. Um, no, I think what sticks in my memory the most is the way that she taught me. 
With patience and kindness, this attention to detail that extended past the kitchen and into knowing the little parts of my life, who I was, what I liked, what I disliked. In short, she made me feel loved. Loved because I was her grandson and that was it. No conditions, no exceptions. Who is a person in your life today that makes you feel beloved? In the Gospel reading, we meet Jesus with his disciples as he prays for them and their future without him. Jesus has felt belovedness with these friends and they've found belovedness with him. Even with the knowledge and weight of his imminent death, that this is where he wants to be while praying with his loved ones. I mentioned belovedness because that is what baptism is, a declaration that you will always be known and loved by your creator. And that's what we're doing today. We're affirming that promise. We hear in the text today, and this is eternal life, that, we, that, that they may know you. We are told that eternal life is knowing and being known by God. But being known can be hard for many of us. It's in our culture to curate our image meticulously. Don't show too much because people might figure out that you're not as competent or smart or lovable as it looks. Only show what's good and deemed acceptable. But we see in this passage, Jesus reject this idea. We know that it's hard to love what we don't know deeply, and knowing depends on honest, authentic relationship. And this is why baptism is so revolutionary. It binds through promises and water that you are loved and known deeply forever. You, not the curated, neatly kept part of you, but the entirety of you. A few of you, and every year it happens, have asked, what, what would happen if I didn't get confirmed? And I love this question. I don't know, I don't have a perfect answer for it, but my answer is always what wouldn't happen. God wouldn't stop loving you. God wouldn't stop knowing you. Confirmation is an opportunity for us to say publicly that our belovedness is forever, that we are loved forever. It's a celebration of just how radical baptism is. If we didn't celebrate it today, it wouldn't make any of those things less true. You are saying today that you reject the idea of being, that being truly known would make you unlovable. You are made in God's image holy flaws and all. We're told in this John text, Jesus says, and now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be as one as we are one. In other words, God lives in you and in all of us. And that's why baptism is so liberating. God, God's love is there forever. Now we have 
a life in front of us. And we each have an invitation to find our place in this life. A tall order I know, finding your place. I wonder what it must have been like for the disciples to hear they are about to lose their teacher, their friend, their Lord, the person that gave them direction in their life. What wilderness did they feel like they were dropped into? How did they find their place? As you know, we spent uh, over a month listening to people from our congregation who are finding their place in this journey. People who are called to feed and house members in our community, who walk with people through deep transition in life, and people who want to honor God's love by advocating for a more inclusive church or work for racial equity in our communities. Hopefully you, not heard, you, didn't, hopefully you not only heard the struggles in their work, but the moments of life-giving transformation as well. One of the baptismal promises that we hear today is to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. Our time is full of inequity, uncertainty, gun violence is everywhere, our climate is continuing to degrade. The same issues of gender, socioeconomic, and ethnic inequality that Jesus faced when he was praying thousands of years ago are problems that we are facing as a society. To be confirmed today is to acknowledge that we each are called to find our place in these important issues and work for a better future. One of justice and peace in all the earth. Care for those in your community, honor those on the margins of society by fighting for more, a more just existence for all. It gives me so much hope that you are with me in this journey because none of us can do this alone. I can't do this alone. It's not lost on me that Jesus chooses to say the prayer to God with his disciples and not off by himself as he has done so many times before. I believe it's because he recognizes deeply that this life, these moments of fear and anxiety that he must have been feeling on some level from what was about to come are best faced with the people we love around us and with God around us. Every week, as you remember, we would end our time together standing in a circle, setting aside a few moments for people to say out loud any prayers that they would like to bring to God. Uh, then we'd wrap up our time and say the Lord's Prayer together. You might remember many times we would stand there looking at each other in silence. <laughs> I'm sure you found, found that mildly awkward. It's fine to stand in silence, though. God hears our prayers in many different ways. But still other times, you would bring profound prayers to be said in front of the group. Deaths and diagnoses in the family, anxieties about the greater world, things that you were deeply grateful for. Maybe you felt, as I have felt, that naming things out loud to people, especially when it comes to fears and anxieties, takes their power away. I wonder if this is what Jesus was thinking when he was praying with his disciples. You're not alone in this life. Remember that. God is with you for the journey. A God that became human to walk as one of us with all the anxieties and self-doubt that is part of being human 
and even with death around the corner, prays for you and the future you will live into. In this book uh, by Tommy Orange called There, There, he writes a line that always has reminded me of my grandfather and my grandmother and cooking with her. He says, it turns out that who you spend time with ends up mattering more than what you do with that time. I think my grandmother and I could have been doing anything that day. Maybe the gift of mundane tasks in our life is that when we do them with the people that we care about, there's always an opportunity to show them that they are loved deeply, that they are beloved. Today, through the everyday radical mundane element of water, we are reminded that we are beloved children of God. We are called through these promises spoken at our baptisms and again today to be a force for justice and peace in the world. And maybe it's as simple as the text suggests. Eternal life is to know God. If you feel lost on the road, disjointed in life, losing track of who you are, remember that God lives in you and the beloved around you. Remember that the to-do list today consists of one item, to know God. And remember that God knows and loves you as deeply as the bottomless waters of the baptismal font. Amen.